Welcome to Mac and Cheese episode 56. I'm Mac Mail. And I'm Graham Hicks. We have a number of very interesting topics on our, our, our table today, Mac. Uh, the provincial budget has come and gone, and uh, I think with its rather tepidity, if that's okay. the right word. Sounds right. And uh, Brian Jean's sudden emergence as a, a leader of note with the Wild Rose, suddenly the whole political equation looks way more interesting than it did even six, seven days ago. And it's always been an interesting time in Alberta politics lately, it seems. so. It, exactly. My goodness, never changes. Yep. Uh, we're supposed to be going into recession, but I was driving down 104th Avenue the other day, and my goodness, it could count dozens of construction pro- projects now underway. So let's talk about that a little bit. Cool. Uh, great to see the little brick building happening down in River Riverdale. Riverdale. I always say River Bend. I no. be Riverdale. Wrong yeah. river. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong part of the river. <laughs> the Galleria, the project we've been following on mac and cheese for some time. Looks like it's sinking rapidly. We'll find out a bit more about that. And then uh, I think it was Metro has a, a really cool little thing on vote for the best street. So we thought we'd offer our take on that one. Sounds good to me. Not a bad little lineup, eh? That sounds great. Oh, and Alex John Vier being picked for the public art in the Winter Garden entrance to the new arena. Right. And when you were driving down 104th, did you get to drive under the, uh, the Winter it, Garden it overhang? It is very cool. It's kind of neat, eh? It's like well, okay, th- you, well, let's start on that topic. All right, right, sure. You start with the arena. My God, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I, I am very impressed with how everyone has honored their commitment and is, are going up as almost as fast as construction is possible on everything around there. They that's keep saying they're on budget and on time. Yeah, so. Three towers, right? And so, wait till those things are up at 50, 60 stories. It's going to be like Jack and the Beanstalk around here. Right? Yeah, you got the City Tower, which is going to have all the new City of Edmonton offices. Yeah. You got the Stantec Tower. Which is going up and up and up and up. That one's not that one's not under construction yet though, right? They're uh, doing foundational the the stuff. Foundation. Yep. Hey, once they're digging out the foundations, I kinda figure it's gonna go. It's gonna go, yeah. yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah. And then the the hotel. And then the hotel, right. And they're digging that one too. And each one of those are they're sixty stories plus, right? Well the Stantec one for sure is that high. I'm not sure about the uh, the other t- they're tall. They're tall. It's gonna be wild. Maybe not sixty, but they're tall. It is gonna be wild. And well, you're starting to see done. now the scale of the arena, right? When you yeah. walk by you can see the walls, how big they're gonna be and I mean, it's not surprising, I guess, if you, if you take a look at Rexall Place today and kind of imagine a structure of that size right downtown, Yep. you know, it's impressive. But it takes it takes it actually going up to suddenly, you know, seeing is believing, so to speak. Yep. And then uh, all the other stuff around it. We got, we got the, the Provincial Museum is starting to go up now, too. That's exciting. That's a big project. You got the condo on 103rd Street. You got the condo on 104th Street. Uh, the Fox Towers and the Ultima. Yep. Yeah, the Fox Towers. We got uh, John Day's building and Rice Howard Way. The Kelly Ramsey. Yeah, that one is. Uh, I, I walk by that one every day, and every day it looks like it's grown another few feet and you know closed in a little bit more. There's putting up walls oh, and all this cool. kind of stuff. So cool. And as you head east, uh, the Northwest College, their building is now starting to go up. Yep. Behind. Uh, Behind the Boston Pizza, 107th and Jasper, that big condo, you remember the name, don't you? Oh, on 106, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jasper, Jasper 106, actually, isn't that what it's called? And you're saying like that. that's going to be another real tall one, too, Yeah, right? it's going to be pretty tall, residential, yeah. Keep on going, heading east, you hit, remember the old Pyramid Church? Uh, it was 107th Avenue and about, mm, I think it's 109th Street. Okay. There was a lot of controversy when it was torn down because it was by a very well-known architect, but it sat there for a couple of years. The company went bankrupt. Well, now there's action. There's another big condo thing going on up there. And you keep going further east. Remember the old Crosstown Motors site? Yep, one yep. of 4th Ave? Now the brewery district. That's getting developed. The brewery district, yeah, right around the Molsons. And they're actually going to refurbish and, and redo the brewery, correct? 
Well, they're going to keep some of the old building and yeah. facade. I don't know if it like it won't be a brewery as far as I understand no, it, no. but they're going to keep some of that old stuff in there. Locational yeah. economics aren't going to allow for it to be a brewery. But yeah. So yeah, if you, so long as you keep the facades and keep the look, that's cool. So two things I want to ask you about on that. So a little bit back further east on uh, 104th Ave is the uh, Center for Arts and Culture at McEwen. Yes. Right? And that one's under construction now? Forgot that one. Did you see the picture they released this week where it's going to be kind of a piano theme and then this green color on the building? Oh, this is very cool. What do you think about that? Because a lot of people are like, is green too bad, too bright for Edmonton? I'm like, no, more color. We need color. We're yeah. a white metropolis for six beige. months of the year. We're a beige metropolis. Yeah, a dirty white. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the more color, the better. I love that building over in the university by right across from the uh, university hospital. Yeah, the, uh, where they did the clinic health academy color all along the west side of it. In the winter time, that's immensely cheering. Yeah, no, it's really cool. I like that building. And when you get some nice sunlight in there too, you know, you get some some cool uh, design features coming through onto the ground, which is nice. Yeah, oh, we're so aesthetic. Okay, and then the other one was in the Winter Garden. Back in the Winter Garden, they announced the first bit of public art for the arena and for the district. And it's uh, a mosaic, right? A huge mosaic. By Alex Janvier, and it's going to be in the floor, if I understand. How appropriate. I mean, here's a guy who really is one of Canada's best-known artists. I mean, he deserves to have this kind of uh, a, a real legacy for him. He's, he's, he's genuine. You know, he's not just an apologist for Aboriginal. He's a tremendous artist who yep. comes out of that Aboriginal tradition. Right. right. Everyone will love it. You didn't hear a peep of protest. And I'm sorry, I know you're a fan of those talus domes or whatever they are. <laughs> so much of public art. When you get the right stuff, like those crazy feet down at uh, um, is it Central Southgate Park or, or Southgate? Southgate? See, I'm uh, not Southgate. a fan of those at all. Oh, they're great fun. Not a fan of those at all. Okay, but most people like them. <laughs> You're just weird. <laughs> and, and most people are going to approve of this beautiful mosaic. I think people are going to love the mosaic, like yeah. without question. It's not a very offensive piece of art or no. anything like that. It's going to be welcomed, and and the size of it and the. Uh, you know, it's a kind of an incredible thing. That's the way things should be when they're public art. They should be widely accepted and appreciated and allow the people, the average Joe, to look at it and say, gee, isn't that pretty? I do like the other side of public art, which is that it causes that conversation to happen, which is why I like the Talus Dome. Oh. And I don't know if there will be much conversation about this aside from praise, which Mac is maybe the okay. controversial controversialist. I, I like was. it when you, you're still talking about the Talus Dome. It's amazing. Ah, it drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. All right. Okay. So uh, provincial budget. Boy, have some interesting things happened. We go from lots of things happening and excitement and money being spent to, oh, my God, we got to tax people. Oh, my God, we have to tax people. But it's a tepid budget. It's kind of like most people are very disappointed that Prentice didn't show more dynamicism out of it. It's like, well, we'll cut a little here and we'll peel a little here and we'll push a little here. People were very disappointed by the lack of boldness, mm. especially when he think, set us up. Do you think on both sides of the spectrum? Meaning? Like, you Oh, know, spending and... No, no, no. I mean, like, PC supporters were upset yeah. about lack of boldness, but also, obviously, the opposition about having, oh, you, yeah. you know... Uh, opposition's opposition. They're paid to oppose, right? Right. But I think people like myself, who, who were basically very pro-prentice, who thought, you know, I was thinking that you could either... You could really bite the bullet and say, folks... 3%, we're going to cut spending by 3%. We're going to do a 3% sales budget, period. Right. Okay? And everyone would have screamed and yelled, but people admire boldness. They admire action. And this seemed to be a little, 
well, we don't want to worry those people, and we want to keep the civil service safe, and we don't want to be coming at us. You know, it, it. I'm very, very surprised that, that, and it's lessened my opinion of Prentice. So the sheen is off a little bit for you, yeah. As a supporter, I guess it's normal. But and then Wild Rose went and elected uh, Brian Jean as their leader, former MP from Fort McMurray, so a guy with a lot of experience. First thing he does is he cuts loose a guy that makes a little minor racist remark. Waste no time. That's showing leadership, right? It's bold, like you're saying, yeah. some action. And even the way he's been talking, suddenly you actually seem to have a legitimate leader in Wild Rose. I'm starting to think Wild Rose might be good for 20, 25 seats, you know? And if the NDP are feeling their the, their stuff as well, they did a big blitz this weekend that got a lot of attention. Yeah, they did. You know, everyone was saying it was going to be like 500 seats for Jim Prentice and negative 50 for the other guys. <laughs> this could, It won't be a race, but... He's going to be taught a little lesson about being so bland. Is that the right word? So un, uninteresting? Was it? Undynamic. Undynamic? For backing down. For backing down. He sounded so much leading up to it, you know, we're going to have to cut this thing. We yep. might do a 5% cut. We've got to be tough. We can't let... Now they're talking about a $30 billion deficit in four or five years. So wasn't this his strategy, though, to kind of make everybody think it was going to be this bad and then say, hey, look, we made it not so bad? If that was the strategy, it has backfired badly. Right. And I think, yes, an awful lot of people feel that maybe Jim Prentice isn't this all-knowing, all-smart politician we thought he was. So is there anything mm. on the budget that you liked? Um, is there anything that stood out as, okay, that's positive, like say, putting money back into the Heritage Trust Fund, if they do it. But they're not. It's a 10-year plan, and they're not going close to it for four or five years. And I'm sorry, anything that's going to happen four or five years out isn't going to happen. Yep. You know, those are just empty promises. Right. If there had been some s stuff, no, I'd, I was bitterly disappointed in his 10-year plan to wean us off of, of oil revenues. Right. I was bitterly disappointed that he could only see fit to cut 1%. He could have done two or three. Corporate... Corporate taxes could have gone up 1%. There would have been some squawking, but they still would have been the lowest in Canada. Corporations walked away scot-free in this budget, uh, right? Yeah, and, and you know, normally you know me. I'm about as right-wing as they come. But yep. on that one, they could have raised a billion or, or $750 million through that. Right. And, then they and cut it wouldn't have been a huge impact on those businesses, yeah. right? And then they cut the, the, the charitable donations, like your, your tax credit. Right. Well, I'm not a big fan of those in the first place, but if you have them, it seems like a heck of a thing to take money that's going to, to projects that save the government tons of money in their social services and suddenly decide it's, uh, you know, that, that just seemed there. All these Doesn't little things sense. that seemed a bit, you know, just kind of tepid. Just and what do you tepid. think about the sin taxes? Uh, totally to be expected. Yeah. You know, we're just catching up with the other provinces. It had been a while, right, since some of them had been raised. What's so. the easiest thing to do in the world? Raise your sin taxes. Yeah. Because someone points out you open the door to the black market. You know, there's only, very interesting, you can only go so far before a black market shows up. Hmm. Black markets show up because prices don't get reasonable when they're overly regulated. But I now look forward to this election. It could be a very, very interesting one. So it seems imminent. And today, w the day we're recording this, there was a poll that came out about the Wild Rose and the PCs being neck and neck again in the poll. Mm -hmm. You know, so take that for what it's worth. But take it for what it's worth, right? But could be interesting now. Hey, Doesn't and look how like a about, walk in the park. How about Danielle? Danielle Smith. I mean, at one point she was the golden-haired girl who was going to sweep to power to be our next premier. Oh, how the mighty are fallen! Or at least be she given a cabinet position in the Prentice government, right? 
You know, and she reinforces rule number one, two, and three in politics. If you cross the floor, you're dead meat. She was looking out for number one, and it backfired, right? You cannot cross the floor. Very, very few. I think, you know, out of the 30 or 40 that's gone on the last 30, 40 years, I can think of two that actually did well when they joined the opposition. One was Gene Zwazdeski, mm-hmm. who's now Speaker of the House. He started as a liberal. Right. And there was an NDP fellow from Spruce Grove, whose name escapes me, who who crossed over, I think, in the uh, lo- late law he did and, and ended up being a cabinet minister. Mm. But everybody else... You get booted out so fast. People don't like traitors. And there was two others that lost their nomination races the same day as her. Three said they weren't going to run. So the numbers of the folks that cross in December are rapidly dwindling. Isn't it funny that they all thought that they could... Maybe they're doing it... And my politics is always a complex bunch of motives, right? Yeah. But so much of it was, yeah, well, if we cross and we have some bargaining chips, a couple of us will get will get cabinet posts and... And everyone seems to want a cabinet post. That's the glory thing of being a right. in politics. And uh, instead, they're all completely on the outside. And if you don't have a skill like being an accountant or a lawyer, you know it's darn hard to find work because people kind of, hmm, he's kind of associated with the guys that didn't make it. You know? Right, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of damaged goods or something like that. Where is Alison Redford going to get a job? Internationally, not here. What skills does she have? Well, she's got a good resume before her little blip as premier, right? So Okay. But Fair enough. Election could be interesting. All right, what's up next? Fair enough. The Little Brick. Little Brick, yeah. So the latest uh, cafe from Nate Box and his growing empire of Elm re- uh, restaurants and cafes. Does he call them all? Are they branded all Elm? Well, I think no, Elm is names. like the parent company, but each okay. of them is unique. And so Little Brick, obviously, is down in Riverdale, and it references J.B. Little, and the uh, the historic brickyard that was there yeah. around nineteen hundred. Nice, name. nice yeah. name. Really cool. And really cool. finally we'll have a place when you're out for a nice long walk in the river valley, there will be a cute little coffee house which will have very unique things because this guy is, is a very unique entrepreneur. You finally have somewhere you can go and sit and relax and watch the river go by. Quality stuff, and I love that he tries to incorporate that local character into the places yep. that he pr- puts out. So like District on 109th, it's kind of the government district. So mm-hmm. even the fixtures kind of feel appropriate yeah. for that area, right? Little Brick, totally appropriate for that neighborhood. I, we talked to him on Sunday, and he said the neighborhood has been really, really happy to have that there. So not just people walking through the River Valley, but people who live there too. I sure hope he makes a go of it. Because, you know, the economics are always something you got to be careful about. Yeah. So, but yeah, Nate's Nate's really become one of those uh, all-around entrepreneurs that knows how to make money, knows how to put out a good product, and is intensely aware of what's what's the right word, Mac? The aesthetics of of each one, or the the the, the character, the neighborhood personality, you know, the community. He's he's yeah. mindful that it's got to be part of what's already there and part of what that place is going to be going forward, not just his own thing dropped in. That's it's, right. It's not like a Starbucks; you just so. plop in, right? Three cheers for Nate Box. Yay! And go check out Little Brick if you haven't already. Little Brick. You pointed out something to me which I I missed, and I thought, oh, boy, that really is a death knell. The Galleria Project, which we've talked a lot about here, uh, neither of us are particularly in favor at this time. Right. Because just too much on our plates. But the provincial government said there's no go. They're not going to fund it directly or indirectly. It sounds like it's pretty well dead for a while, which is probably... Sorry, philanthropists and everything else. Sorry, 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 but it is a project that can wait 10 years. Yeah, I was looking for it in the budget when it came out on Thursday last week, and 
didn't find anything and saw a couple other people also, you know, took note that there was nothing there. So mm. it seemed to me like a good sign that, you know, the province isn't supporting this. And you got to wonder if they're not willing to put in a bit of money, because they did put in this budget money into infrastructure. But only nothing. You can't. Politically, it would be kind of suicide to to be cutting everything by 1%, even at 1%, and still funding a, a, a fancy, not really needed arts project. Well, hey, what I was going to say is... Politically, it, that's death. Well, what I was going to say is if it was publicly supported, it wouldn't yes. be, right? Uh, yeah. And I think what this shows I. is e. that the arena. there wasn't a lot of public support for the Galleria, and yeah. so it did them no harm to not put any funding into the budget. Yeah. I think it would be a different story if the public were really supportive of the Galleria project, right? Sure. And... You know, come to think of it, too, the province has no money in the in the arena as well, right? They they were steadfast. Yeah, and they remained so. That's a complete so. civic project, and they didn't even they didn't come in on the neighborhood of the community rink or or anything, right? Nope, it's no provincial money going into that one. Well, I kind of admire the city for saying, okay, we're still going to do it. I mean, MSI funding, and maybe that contributes to some of the transit stuff. But that's what the province said: if we give money to the city through MSI, use it how you like. Yeah, it's your money to spend. Yeah. And then, you know, approaches and whatnot and LRT. And what's our, our tax revitalization district? What's that called? The CRL. CRL. The Community Revitalization Levy. I think that that is, yes, it's a bit of a shell game, but undoubtedly the arena has created all the stuff around it, everything we just talked about. Mm-hmm. There will be way more taxes in the coffers. And I sort of disagree with the real right-wing guys that said, well, it could have been built. All this stuff was going to happen anyways. No, you do need catalysts. Somehow these things catch fire onto their own, and now we do have this revitalization renaissance of the downtown. It's, it is, I don't think we'll see anything like this, even in your lifetime again, this amount of change so quickly. It's really exciting. I mean... How much of it is the arena? I don't know. Did it play a role? Absolutely. Like, yeah. without question, it played a role, yeah. right? So, a lot of convergence. Yeah. But the hey. Galleria, would it have added to that? Would it have added to what's going on? Not so sure about that. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, the idea of having students downtown, okay, maybe yeah. interesting, but... So, Mac, our last topic of the day, which uh, maybe in 10 years' time, the 104th Avenue in front of the arena might qualify, but uh, Metro Magazine had a very cute little contest on... What's the best, your best street, I suppose, precinct neighborhood in town, right? Yeah, Edmonton's best streets, I Edmonton's think. Edmonton's best streets. And they, they, they sort of took it down to a short list. 104th Street, your hashtag street. Uh, 107th Avenue, which is sort of Little Africa these days, always the multicultural thing along there. 118th Avenue, which gets more interesting by the day. I think they're still talking about sort of 97th uh, Street down to about 90th Street, eh? You know, it gets a little dull further down. Yeah, that's where the interesting restaurants yeah. and that kind of stuff is. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, White Avenue, of course, those three blocks are pretty cool. And 124th Street. Which one would you go for? And I bet I know. I don't even have to guess. Well, obviously, I'm a fan of 104th Street, and there's lots of good things about it. But 124th is really interesting because so much has been happening there. And that's the one that feels like it's got some momentum and potential. Okay. But I don't like... I will still go back to White Avenue as as the coolest street in town because they got the architecture, right? Mm-hmm. They were smart enough. They managed to hold on to most of the turn of the century. The stuff that's been built since has been very sensitive. There's still, the, you know, the Don Wheaton Chevrolet and that kind of stuff which sticks out by, like a sore thumb. But it's almost got that sort of 50s psychedelic look to it. It's somehow that whole neighborhood, I think it's the perfect blend of 
of architecture and walkability and restaurants and everything, right? I think it needs one less lane in either direction. Oh, God. It's a bit of a freeway <laughs> at times. There's a lot of traffic okay, going well, through there. Okay, well, we'll open up 76th Avenue across the, the track so we can finally take well, the traffic off of White there Avenue. There you go. That would be yeah. good. Yeah. 104th Street, still a little young. Hasn't got a patina yet. It's, yeah. It's wonderful what we've done. It's fun walking down it. Still needs about three or four more of just the right kind of shops. And so be somebody's got to go in that store to kind of get the anchor. Yeah, without question. That store front yeah. can't be empty. Yeah, but that yeah. Saturday market on 104th Street on a sunny summer day, tough to beat. Yep, definitely. And with a new tower going up, there'll be some more retail, lots more people. Yeah. I think, you know, the exciting stuff is still to come. Interesting how 124th Street has really evolved. Like it's got you know, every cool restaurant in town now is along there, up to about 107th Avenue from Jasper. But I find the trouble with that that strip is the architecture is all kind of 50s cement stucco stuff. It's not it's not really a terribly interesting place to walk up and down those seven blocks. No, and yet. it's it's slowly changing. Like the the building that Canteen is in was redone and. It's a little yeah. bit more attractive, and you've got Duchess. I'd be all. You know. f- I'd, that's where one of those street front programs, the historical facades, that you know, a, li- a few sweeteners that way, and a real strong, aggressive neighborhood plan to. to I don't mind fake fronts if they're cool. You know, yeah. if they and if they make a street go from being kind of bland and cinder block to, to oh, well, that's interesting. One twenty fourth so. also has the farmers market on Thursday nights, which are really popular. The and grand where is market, that? but it's, it's on one corner, isn't it's, it? It's, it's just north of one hundred and seventh Avenue, where the old bus loop is. So, so it's, it's off the street. It's right right on one twenty fourth to the east. Okay. Yeah, yeah. B- better get there. As it's well. really cool, and it's, so it's a short walk from from Duchess. It's a short walk yeah. from, you know, Solstice. A lot of these new restaurants and stuff around there. It's cool. Yeah. It also goes to show, if you look at all these things, one hundred eighteenth Avenue. I love it. It's so funky. But again, needs about two or three shops. It's right on the cusp of, of it. well, right now it's kind of fascinating because it's half bums and half sort of artists and everything else, right? Which is really where these things start to flourish. But not quite there yet. But how interesting that, and again, as boosters, that you've got at least five really cool areas now in town. And I'm sure you could probably add on another 10 if you yeah. started thinking about it. But, you know, we come a long ways. It's a really good start. A start. Ooh. No, it's more than a start. Yeah, it's exciting to have different places to go. And 118 is another good example. You see it with deep freeze. You get tons of people in there. The place yeah. comes to life. Yeah. Just need to sustain that for a little bit longer. Okay. So you bought some cheese, Mac? I brought a little bit of cheese just because we needed some cheese. Nothing fancy. Hey, cheese is cheese. And it's a been a sitting in cheddar? this really warm recording studio now for 20 minutes so it has a slightly broiled taste to it <laughs> it's melted wow it's really warm in here <laughs> yeah it's really the consistency is it's usually a lot harder it's just <laughs> a basic cheddar but you know basic cheddar if you had never experienced it before you taste this and say mmm boy this is really good but you know a basic some days you feel like white toast a little craft on it stick it under the broiler Throw some hot sauce on, maybe a little tomato. Mm. Is there anything better? (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks for listening uh, to another episode of Mac and Cheese. Check us out online at macandcheese.ca. I think we covered about every section of the spectrum on this one, didn't we? It was a wide-ranging one. (laughs)